So, Birdo, I watched and you watched a documentary on HBO called The Last Cruise, which is about the Diamond Princess that was stuck at the very beginning of the pandemic with a lot of people on board slowly becoming infected uh, way before we had lockdown yeah. in the United States. And so we watched it. I thought we'd talk about it. But I don't think there's a lot to say about it other than just like, wow. <laughs> so I thought we'd also answer some patron questions and some other kinds of Fun things. What do you say, Berto? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, and I'm also a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I'm a key master's apprentice. So the Diamond Prince, so the HBO documentary called The Last Cruise, it's about the Diamond Princess uh, cruise ship stuck in Yokohama because of quarantine, uh, starting in, I think, late January. It's it, So yeah. way before we had lockdown in in the States... There were. Do you remember hearing this in the news? Oh, yeah. What do you remember hearing about it? Well, first of all, I don't know if you, if you remember that I was following a YouTube channel that was talking all about the the Wuhan situation, and then no. they started covering the the ship because what they would they would talk about all the little reports of like, and this one businessman was in this one business meeting, and then they traveled to this thing, and then they traced it back, and they everyone in that meeting might have had. Anyways, so I definitely was uh, following it. But it seemed so distant, you know, it was like, it seemed terrifying and right. yet distant. It's right, like, right. It's in Japan. Right. Yeah. It's a cruise ship. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll be okay. Yeah. But watching this documentary, I found myself obviously relating to everyone on that ship. Yeah. And the storyline or the story arc of what happened on that ship was a microcosm for what happened for the rest of the world months later. Yeah. The first thing you see, so the documentary, if you haven't, it's pretty short. So I think it's like just a 45-minute documentary. It's, it's very short. And quite honestly, I, I, was, I was disappointed. I wish it, yeah, I wish it had yeah. more meat on the bone. There was a different documentary about the same thing that I saw on YouTube that was like an hour and 20 minutes or something and had way more content. <laughs> yeah. Cuz it had context and maybe I, I think that they were trying to go from the for the no no but this is like if you had been on that ship sort right. of. Yeah, the whole yeah. documentary is based on footage from people on the ship recording themselves. Yeah. So there at first we see people just having fun. Right. We see some of the uh, people that are working on the cruise line filming themselves having fun working on a cruise ship. And then we see them getting the first news reports of there's this Wuhan virus, but they're still out at sea and they're still partying and they're still fraternizing with everyone yeah. and breathing in each other's faces. And then there's a report that, wait, there's one, there's a case. There on, was a passenger that had been on the boat. Right. That had been yeah. tested positive for COVID and they just go right back to partying and everyone's like, huh, well... That's weird. Well, they caught him. So, you yeah. know, just one person. What are we going to do? Yeah. So at this point in the documentary, you're watching and you're thinking, oh, those idiots, because we know what's ha going to happen. Right. But that is 2020, of course. And when I look back... So for me, Berto, and I, you, you tell me your experience, you and I are both hypochondriacs. Yep. Like legit... Uh, on the spectrum. Yep. We're probably not debilitated to the level of a DSM label, but <laughs> we're definitely on the high end of anxiety about illnesses right. and anxiety in general. And 
I have always been, and you have always been, a germaphobe. Right. And like when I'm in public, I will note that if I touch something with my hand, I will note my hand is basically a walking <laughs> time bomb. Like I, I don't touch my face. I don't eat with that hand. Until I can. Yeah, really I remember m- my dad just made me afraid of the world in that sense. <laughs> I don't know where I got it from because my my parents certainly my family certainly was not this way. But so when I heard about the Wuhan virus and I heard about the Diamond Princess stuck in Yokohama, I watched the news and I thought, huh. Well, we've heard other things like this before, Ebola. I even had H1N1. I had swine flu. Did you? Well, I, I didn't get test for, tested for it, but... You had all the symptoms. I had all the symptoms, yeah. and I got it right in the middle of everything, yeah. and, and it was it was awful. I just remember thinking, like, yeah, that was a pretty hefty flu, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm sure the world will figure it out, just like Ebola or with SARS or MERS or Mad Cow. Or, you know, it's it's never touched us in terms of our lives, you know, everything will be fine. And you start hearing about people dying and you're thinking, well, you know, people die with the flu as well. You know, what are you going to do? And you hear about, you know, these lockdowns in China and you're thinking, well, that's good. They're taking care of it. And I went, not only was I pretty lackadaisical about the whole thing, (laughs) but I went on two trips (laughs) Just before the lockdown, yeah. While there were ca- so one of them to New Orleans. <laughs> so when was the first? So you would know this. When was the first case in Seattle that was reported? Well, it was the one up in um, Snohomish. Uh, it, was, it was north. Yeah, and it was reported like end of January. Like okay, right. Yeah. So end of January, we have a case in the yeah. Seattle area. And, and it's, it's the first one reported in the States. In the States, right. So yeah. the entire country, yeah. CNN News, is like near Seattle, like Seattle was yeah. considered the hotspot. Yeah. And I, I, in, um, in late February, I go to Mardi Gras, yeah. which is you're pressed up against so many people in that, inside and outside. Yeah. Constant crowds. And... On the plane, you know, I'm, I'm on mm-hmm. an airplane. Then, after I get back from Mardi Gras, late February, early March, so this is well after right. we've heard of cases in Seattle, I go to Tahoe, right, <laughs> which is also inside a hotel, yeah. there are casinos, and so when we, so I just want to put that out there because I consider myself extremely science-based extremely up to date on these kinds of things extreme you know of the people on the planet i take these things very seriously i'm terrified of getting sick i'm terrified of right. when i when i heard about the virus i i remember immediately thinking like well you know that could kill me and and i didn't want that to happen yeah and i still up until early march when was getting <laughs> on a plane and going places yeah. and the only precaution i was taking was Washing my hands a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say a little bit more. I was actually washing my hands a lot more, and I was carrying around hand sanitizer yeah. all the time. But uh, because when I was watching this documentary, I'm thinking, what are these people doing? But then, yeah. but then I think about myself. Yeah. And it's easy now to look back, and I think for for at least a long time, hopefully, people will will 
at least through our current lens, look back at that behavior in January and February and March and say, what were you thinking, people? Yeah. Even our governments. Like we can look, because there, there, there's a quote from Fauci, whom a lot of us will respect, right? That says, you don't need, you don't need masks. You don't need to wear face masks. He's, he's, he's like, even though some people have died, Americans don't need to wear face masks. We can look at that and say, well, you're stupid, but that's because we know the science now. We know the deal. Back then, they didn't know it was as transmissible through that, breathing. That was that was ridiculous and irresponsible. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they they were only doing it because they feared everyone would buy the, the supply. Well, and they were uh, concerned. I, we I can't know yeah. what's in their head, but I also think that they weren't as knowledgeable about how it's transmissible as they would be a few months later. And then they're like, whoa, this act, because I remember in the beginning, because I, I listened to the science podcast and they were following it week to week. It's actually led by a physician that really knows what he's doing. And I remember in the beginning, he, he was talking about how the initial science was that if you wash your hands and you don't, uh, you know, if you wash your hands thoroughly, then you should be able to eliminate the risk by a lot. Later on, uh, and it, it happens slowly, they're like, actually, <laughs> washing your hands from touching a doorknob or a, or a package that was delivered to you, and I don't know the science, but I'm just, so don't quote me on this, is a pretty small risk reduction when you compare it to sitting in a room for 10 minutes with someone who has it. Yep. And anyway, my point is, is that you tell me, Birdo, it's, it's February. Yeah. There are already cases. Were you like I was where you're thinking, well, this could be bad, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I have to go to the QFC. I want to buy, I want to buy a thing or two. I, uh, well I mean, my experience was really unusual, I think, because uh, if you will recall, on January 27th, I got super sick with what ended up being many moons later turned out to be thyroid issues. But at the time, I don't know what got me sick. And it could have, in fact, been that I caught the virus. We'll never know. I was sick for like 10 days. Some of the symptoms match, some don't. Who knows? But I was very sick. So I went to the ER two, two or three times, twice during that 10-day period. I missed work. So I was at home mostly watching YouTube, sitting on the couch, like freezing and feeling terrible. Okay. And you're hearing reports of a virus that's going Well, I'm watching specifically two YouTube channels about it. And now, one of these YouTube channels happens to be a set of folk that are... Um, I wouldn't watch their YouTube videos normally because they're very... How do I say this? They're very much about conspir world conspiracy stuff about finances. Um, but anyways, point is that they're talking about Wuhan. Then I start watching footage, YouTube videos posted from people from Wuhan. And then I start watching this other channel from a, an actual doctor talking about it. And this is all I'm doing. This is all I'm consuming. But are, are, you not, are, you, are you telling your family and friends not to go to the store? Are you I'm telling not them not to go to there. work? No, I'm not yet there. And I'm still, well, I wasn't going to work because I was sick. But I, w I did start going to work. And more importantly, in, on February 14th, I went to Disneyland. Right. So, but, so you're the so you're. I, I, I'm establishing that you and I, as as science based. Well, I'm making your point like even worse because not only are we science based, all these things. I sat there 
with the screen ready to cancel the tickets. Yeah. Because I was like, on the one hand, I have my phone playing a video about how this actually looks really serious. But then I'm, I was getting so much societal pressure to shut the fuck up because look, at work, I, I remember we were in a little huddle and one of the senior people there, like very high up, was like, oh, this is, you know, was saying the whole, oh, this is no worse than the flu, blah, 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 blah. And I was sitting there and I didn't want to contradict them in public with the other people there. But as I said something very meek, like, well, this one's a little different. And that's all I said. But internally, I'm like, I don't think this is right. Then I post a video on YouTube, um, sorry, on Facebook uh, in my Kirkland, be neighborly Kirkland thing, you know, where people post things. And I got slammed. I posted a video about from Wuhan, like with videos of, of what was happening there. And it <laughs> Fast was like, forward one week and people are dying in Kirkland. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, you, you know, like you're an alarmist, blah, blah. Okay. All these things. And so I was kind of like shell shocked a little bit. Plus I was having nonstop debates with one of these idiots on Facebook who was, who went from literally, no kidding. One week they're saying this is no worse than the flu. Two weeks later, they're like, China is hiding the bodies. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. the, the same person. But yet, with all that in my mind, and having just been ridiculously sick, I still went to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the... It's How did your, you feel when you were there? I was okay while I was there. Yeah. But it was in the back of my mind. Right. So me too. When I was in Tahoe particularly, because by early March, <laughs> it was definitely like uh, a, a thing. Yeah. Uh, but same, I was like, well, but I had this trip planned yeah. and all my, all my friends were going to go and I don't want to be a bummer. But then, then the, the shit really hit the fan because when I got back from that trip, that's when the old folks home that's two and a half, three blocks away from my ha- place, that's where they started dying. Right. And then I was like, oh God, cause it wasn't like one death, two deaths. It's like everyone had it there. And they were dropping. And I was like, oh my God. And then I started realizing the employees there, they go to all the same shops and stores around here, the coffee store, all that same stuff that I've been to all these days. I run past that old folks home almost daily because I go on little runs and stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, what the hell? Yeah. And then shortly after, like one week later or beginning of March, my job closed down and well we do you know the exact date because for me it was like march 6th i think oh really yeah because it was we were um you know i was i have my my mentor there is like he's really good at this stuff and i was just watching him watching him and then it's like i go home that day and i get the email it's like we're closing the office yeah it was good because for me there was a couple weeks there where when i came back from tahoe i don't know what day it would have been it was probably like I don't know, March 7th or something. And I remember saying, no, we're done. We're locking down. I No one, because this is before lockdown in the United States, before lockdown at my university. Yeah. And I'm I'm like, nope, we're not leaving the house. Yeah. I don't care if, yeah. if I'm paranoid. I don't, like, we have that luxury. We have that privilege. The only reason why I would not do it right now is because of social pressure. <laughs> And I'm not going to play that game. <laughs> Do you know, I, 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 was, uh, I appeared on the local news. What? Um, I went to Whole Foods when everyone was stocking up on stuff. It, I, I went to Whole Foods like 
two or three days right before that because I was like, I think we're going to need some supplies. So I went and I bought, I had already ordered a pack of N95 masks like in early February. Yeah. And, and well, well, asterisk for me, I ordered them a year ago because of this forest fires. Oh, okay. And That's so, smart. <laughs> but, but I couldn't wear them right. because they said, if you have them, you're a dirtbag. You're a dirtbag, right, right. <laughs> Even though I bought them yeah, a year prior. I never prior. ended up wearing them either, yeah. So, but I, I went to Whole Foods, like, I, I don't remember what date it was, but it was right before the rush, you know, right before everyone started stocking on toilet paper and everything. And I was there, and there was a news crew outside. So they interviewed me as I was coming out with my groceries, <laughs> and I was buying, like, I wasn't buying tons and tons of toilet paper. I did was they, buying, like... Did they air your clip on the Yeah, news? they did. Yeah, because I got, I got text messages. I saw you on the... Like, what did you say? My mom's, like, friends, like, one of hers, like, I saw you on the news. Um, they asked me, oh, so what do you think of this whole thing? And without trying to be alarmist, I was like, oh, I think it's, it's, I think it's quite serious, and, you know, I'm going to do what I can to prepare... <laughs> And that's what I said. And, and I said more because I made like a little political statement or something, but they only aired that bit. Did, did they put your name in the bottom? Yeah. Did they put that little thing over the end? I didn't see it myself. I saw, a, oh, sorry. I saw a YouTube or I saw someone sent me a video. What do it. they call that little thing over the end? The Nieta. Yeah. I think it, it can be called a tilde, even though the tilde is also the accent, uh. but it can be called a tilde. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. So I. Uh, decided to teach over Zoom that that week. Yeah, even though none of my colleagues were doing it. Right, <laughs> and I and a, a half of my students were like, "Thank you for doing this," because I didn't want to go to the university. Right. And the other half of the students were like, "Eh, there's so much social pressure for you not to be a weirdo." Right? Why are you being a weirdo? And then the next week, everything shut down. So, so I was in Tahoe. Yeah, I believe the very last weekend that you could ski there yeah i think i heard just maybe even a few days later they shut down tahoe well they shut down disney like maybe 10 days after i was there maybe it was only a week yeah so (laughs) i want to go on the record so that all of us can not judge those people in early march who were in in january (laughs) right yeah and then (laughs) watching this documentary it's it's easy to laugh, right? How stupid were you? I, again, just to reiterate, Berto <laughs> and I are super science based. We're up on things, and we're paranoid, and we still did not take precautions because we just didn't know. Yeah, are we overreacting? Is yeah. it is it like Ebola where it'll just fizzle out after a huge amount of yeah. of worry? You know, there's n- no way that well, anyone could have predicted what it ended up would have been. And it's so expensive, both literally and socially, because I was like, I was thinking, should I just cancel my trip? Like, think about it. That's an expensive, can- I'm not going to get my money back on most of the stuff. And I was going with friends and it's like, what a weirdo. Like, we're not going to Disney because of the flu. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And so I gave in to, now... I was okay. So was I okay to not cancel? I guess. But it's like you're rolling the dice no matter what. But you and I could have passed it along without us even knowing it. Absolutely. And it's Disneyland. Yeah. And Mardi Gras. 
Yeah. <laughs> God. So, yeah. The two worst places. <laughs> Disneyland. And then a week later oh, God. in in New Orleans, people are, are dropping like flies. It's crazy. Like a week later, they're talking about the hospitals are starting to fill up because of Mardi Gras. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> And yeah, they, to, yeah, to put a, a a bow on this ridiculousness, on the plane back from Tahoe, I'm crammed up next to a guy who is sniffling and sneezing. Oh, I think you told me this. And oh, coughing geez. without any, uh, without without doing what you know. He's he's coughing like into his hand. His hands. He's not washing his hands. He's you know yeah. he's wheezing, and I'm just like, well, if he has it, I have it. Oh man, you know. And maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Just no way to know. So in the documentary, inequality was depicted how? Well, I guess there was... Which is it, another microcosm yeah, for totally. the, the planet. Well, it, like there was a couple aspects. One of them was that uh, the crew was treated really kind of poorly. You know? Right, exactly. They were like, well, you, you guys have no choice. You got to work. You got to take the risks. Right. And they were all concerned. Um, there was that one gal, I think she was uh, Indian, and she actually reached out to her government right. and was like, uh, this is not okay. And she felt like a whistleblower. She well, kind of felt guilty about it. She said that her employer said she could not do that. Yeah, right. And she did it anyway because right. she was so scared. Yeah. And, and I think there was also this aspect of, well, they, they weren't letting everyone know the same information. Like, you know eventually they finally started being more open but at first they were really keeping information like away like uh, they, they weren't telling people enough information and uh th- there was that one guy that like finds out that his whole th- like his air vent had been covered up right cuz he opened his door and he's like what <laughs> right um so it's like they weren't giving passengers enough data yeah yeah, so if you watch the documentary, you'll see that the people who work on the boat, who are you know, a far less privileged than yeah. the people who are passengers on the boat, are literally in the bowels, not, yeah. not literally, but they're in the Well, they're bottom. working next to each other. They're not taking any, they're not confined to a room because they can't. <laughs> right. They have these tiny little yeah. rooms and these tiny little workspaces. And they're below the water line, so they have no windows. Yeah. And There's no air, no fresh air. No fresh air. Yeah. And they are quarantined and stuck in these places, and they have to work. And so you see this sharp contrast between <laughs> the white Americans yeah. in the upper decks who have – they have a deck. They, they're not in a good situation either, but at least they get a step outside yeah. and see the sun and, and look out over the city of Yokohama. And by the way, how tragic that if they knew, if the Japanese authorities knew then what we know now about like, oh, actually open air is really good for right. stopping this. Um, it, it actually made a lot more sense to try to get everyone out of that right. boat. Right, yeah. yeah. Put them in a tent. Yeah. Put them in tents in the, yeah. in the parking lot. Right. But, it was, but they were so afraid. Because, and, and to be fair, the footage coming out of Wuhan was end of the world style footage. Right. Yeah, you would have you would have had riots in Yokohama if the government allowed these people to get off the boat. Yeah, because yeah, the government just be like, "F no, we're not going to let you." Yeah, why should we? Yeah. Like, why is it our fault that, that? By the way, a small note about the masks because this really pissed me off. Look, I'm not a medical professional. I know nothing about any of this stuff. 
So back in February, to me, it was like, it was just so obvious. Like, look, in Asia, they constantly wear masks to prevent flus. Okay. So I'm like, well, of course, it makes, it's, it's like you can transmit it through coughing. Of course. The, the videos I was watching, they were pointing studies that actually showed that even though it didn't seem to be airborne, it was definitely transmissible through particles in the air, like water, like spittle and stuff. So I'm like, who are we kidding? But, 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 context on that point, which I remember following very closely too, the prevailing wisdom, even among medical experts, was it wasn't just breathing in a room with someone, which of course now we know not to be true. It would be coughing. Sure. So, so if you're, so if you're in a room with people who don't seem to be coughing or sneezing, then the spittle and the, the droplets are, too few to cause alarm. Now, of course, we know different. But but there has been, since then, there has been folks that came out and admitted that they were scared of the, which is a fair thing. They were scared of hospitals not having access to masks, which actually did happen. Yeah. And and so, it was it was a multi-level problem. Yeah, I think it was No both. one prepared for this. Right. No one was prepared. The pandemic team had been disbanded. Right. There were no supplies ready to go. And when we found out that there was a problem coming from Wuhan, no one kick-started the, right. the thing. So they were legitimately scared that everyone was going to go out and buy out all the toilet paper and the masks. So they purposely suppressed the idea that you needed masks because A, they weren't sure it was airborne in the first place, and B, yeah. they were scared of that. Uh, well, I think it was mainly they weren't aware of the science yet because if they were they would have said don't buy n95 but you can use cloth masks that you can manufacture from you at home you they're know, not they're not as that good part, that part's fair but i the reason i'm so skeptical is because at the time there were so many non-governmental professionals saying not saying their opinion they were pointing to studies that were showing that that a mask would stop and percent of blah blah blah, and that what's the coincidence that months later they're finally like, yeah, you you, you guys should all wear a mask. Also, what's the coincidence it's, that it's, all the countries that early on started wearing masks had the lowest levels? Well, right. Well, we didn't have that that data. We did not have South it Korea, um, uh, Taiwan, or uh, Taiwan. I think. Look, I, I'm not defending yeah. the United States government. I'm saying that. For me, yeah, and again, this is that 2020 thing, and for the professionals that I was following at the time, the prevailing wisdom was just sitting in a room with someone who is asymptomatic and not, you know, spitting droplets into the air, your risk is low. That's that's the prevailing wisdom was washing your hands because. But that wasn't based on studies. That was basically them just trying to cover their ass. There was no studies that said, well, we did this study where it showed that washing your hands prevented COVID. That didn't exist. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's generally a good idea just when it like comes masks with flu. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, again, I'm not defending. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's attempting, like you said, what, what are the other thing you said? It's, it's coincidence that they eventually figured it out. Well, yeah. the reason why they figured it out is because as people started to, come down with it, there were more epidemiologists who would look into, okay, who were you in contact with? What was the environment? And they started to triangulate tons and tons of data, anecdotal report, because, you know, it's not, you can't just, 
wave like on Star Trek this thing around and go like how is it transmitted you have to like piece it together like a like a mystery yeah. and they got all those reports and then they started to determine oh actually <laughs> right, it but- seems like asymptomatic people sitting in a room can create enough virus that will infect anyone sitting in that room we didn't know that in the beginning and so we, everyone now wear a mask. It wasn't coincidence that later they just changed. I, I know it, I was totally being sarcastic because the thing is that we we can't forget they weren't looking at other countries that were having success. Because if you remember at the time, the, the official line was, this isn't a problem. Right. And that was the official line well into March. Oh, yeah. So well, the, uh, the reason I got so upset about this... If you follow certain this, politicians yeah. and their ilk... The, it was never a problem throughout the entire pandemic. And, and I, I, I got upset about this because even in March, I was having debates with actual people that are part of the medical community on Facebook who were trying to tell me that actually wearing a mask is probably riskier because you're adjusting your mask and you can pass the virus that way. Right. And which, oh, which, no. which, which is, which again, given the, the lack of data in the, in March. Yeah. It, I think it was, so, Understandable, given the lack of data. But 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 listen, can we all just then, fine, let's just say I got lucky in my intuition. Can we just now say, from now on, just to be safe, yeah. wear a mask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. Next time something like this, just wear a mask. <laughs> well, for me, I uh, when, when I did get finally vaccinated, I started venturing out into the world, and I was now wearing a mask, I would go places... And forget to bring my mask <laughs> because I never went anywhere. Right, right. You were not used to it. Like, in, you know, up until... So re- more recently, the past couple of weeks, I've been going to a lot more places and, of course, wearing more masks. But there was a good month or two post-inoculation uh, for yeah. me where I probably prior... Okay, so prior to me becoming fully inoculated a couple of months ago... The whole pandemic, I probably wore a mask three or four times. To get the mail. <laughs> because there was one time I had to go inside a bank because mm-hmm. I couldn't do it outside the bank, which I found to be extremely irresponsible. Yeah, right. How come I can't talk to you on the phone? Yeah. Like what's... Yeah, so I had to go and it was, a, oh. it was like a definite, I have to do this now. And, and it took like two hours and I double masked and I sat there and I was so, so paranoid and stuff. And, uh, but there, yeah, there are only other couple moments where I even ventured out into the world. Anyway, so, yeah, so for you, it was like system shock. Yeah. So for me, I, <laughs> I, I, it was, it was like, I don't know what it's like to wear a mask and I would forget him anyway. But yeah, my, my, the, just my conclusion is hopefully we've learned uh, if humans are predictable f- for the future based on the past, we will not have learned. Because oh, the next no. time this happens, the same BS is going to happen again. I, I, there was a, um, I forget, it was like a 150-page or something SARS uh, report that was published by the team that stopped that p- epidemic from happening. Yeah. With all their recommendations, their findings and stuff. And if you just read through it, you would just smack your head repeatedly. Yeah. Because it's like, why didn't this... Why wasn't this the playbook? Right. And to be specific, I'm not even an epidemiologist. I'm not a scientist in this field. I, but I know the answer to that question, which is obvious, which is you need to invest tax dollars yeah. 
into having an infrastructure that has a fast response and testing. And you need to respect science. You need to respect science. Yeah. You need to have masks stockpiled and continually, you know, replenished. You need to have lockdowns that happen immediately. Yeah. You need to have money available to people that are economically affected by those lockdowns. And, oh, man. And, and, and you spend, as a society, as a globe, yeah. a month of inconvenience, and the virus will literally disappear. Can you imagine? I, I was always so sad about that reality. Because I know that, you know, certain people came on TV and said, like, oh, it's just a two-week lie. And I was like, no, of course it's not. Because, first of all, you started it too late. Second, people are not going to listen. But if we had actually, if we could be ants for once, right? You just little, uh, what is the Star Trek or the, the Borg? Uh, the Borg, just for once, not have our own indiv- individuality. Stay at home for like a month, and here's your check. Two weeks. I mean, let's be generous. Let's just call it a month, and and here's your check. Here's your paycheck. Mortgage is forgiven. Just that one month. Yeah. Just eat what's in your pantry. It's, there's probably enough, and you probably have enough fat stores you'd survive. You know what I mean? Like, like because that was the thing. The virus doesn't just survive without a host, right? It just goes away. Oh. In fact, in fact, if we all did that for a month, most viruses would disappear. Yeah, and the variants that ended up happening wouldn't have happened, right? The, yeah, the mutations that are still happening that are still and happening. still killing. There was a case of a Delta variant case that died. Recently, and they were vaccinated. Yeah, this is where we can't just let our guard down now. Yeah. Because- so, I, so I, and the experts I'm listening to are saying there's a possibility that for the rest of our lives, we will be in a constant vacillation between lockdown and not lockdown and vaccinations and being, you know, in variants. Like, we might... <laughs> The, the yeah, life we're living right now, permanent changes. the life you and I are living right now, Berto, which is like, there are some places we can't go. There are some people we can't come into contact with. There's a Delta variant out there that's ready to kill us. Yeah. We're going to get, we're probably going to need a new vaccine soon. It's probably like, this is our, this is the new life. This is the new world. The one thing I was excited about when it first started, when the, the lockdown started, I was like, I wonder if we're going to make a slight dent in the pollution. Yeah. You know? Which kind of happened. It, it did. For well, a it, bit. it didn't, not a dent, it just slowed. The, yeah. the destruction of the world slowed down a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, when it first happened, Berto, first lockdown, do you remember how long you thought it would happen? Given your science base, you're, you're on top of the uh, news. By, by that point... <laughs> I, in fact, remember saying in a meeting, it wasn't a popular opinion, but I remember saying in a meeting, like, uh, but we, and, and notice how even my pessimism pessimism was still so optimistic. I was like, I think we're going to be here through the summer. That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought we were going to be there. So we locked down in March. My pessimism was like, I think we'll be here through the summer. Yeah, me too. Something like that. I, I think it evolved based on the, these other experts I was listening to. At the beginning, I was like, well, maybe it'll just be a few weeks. I definitely didn't think that. I never thought that because, well, because. Even even at the very beginning? Even at the very beginning, because I knew it was too late by then. Because, like, when you have people on TV saying, this thing is beat, we've got to beat, we're down to a few cases, we'll be done in two weeks. I'm like, no, well, we're obviously not. 
And then when, of course, the two weeks come and go and the, sk- the, ca- the cases are just going up, it's like, God. Well, yeah. And the other thing back then was so few people were getting tested. Yeah. Because they were telling you to maybe get text- tested if you have symptoms. Right, right, right. And there weren't tests. There actually weren't tests. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's take a break, Birdo, and reset and answer patron emails. What do you say? Let's do it. Hey, Deserving Listeners, as you all know, I am constantly recommending that people go to therapy. We all need therapy from time to time. Well, one of the options available that is definitely worth checking out is BetterHelp. If you're looking for a therapist, I would give it a try by going to betterhelp.com Kirk. Make sure you use the promo code Kirk because you get 10% off your first month and it really helps us out. As you watch these videos, I know many of you have been motivated to find your own therapist, which is great because you deserve it. And I know also that it can be hard to find a good fit, find the right one for you. Well, one of the options available in terms of your shopping is to go to betterhelp.com Kirk. I've been told you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. You can message your counselor at any time. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. I've also been told that it's often less expensive than in-person therapy, and you should know that this service is available to clients worldwide. So go to betterhelp.com slash Kirk to get 10% off your first month today. All right, we're back from the break. So I want to do some OPPs. OPP. For some old patrons who have been patrons since June of 2017, all the way back, oh my gosh, in all the way back then, years before the pandemic, we were bef- babies before Bill Cosby stories were really. Oh my gosh, we have Ardo from Finland. You know, I need to make sure I look at FI country code, country code FI. Finland, yeah. There you go. So we have Ardo from Finland. We have Hillary from Utah. We have Sergey from Virginia. We have Shanti from Australia. Mm. From we got Christina from I don't know where. We have <laughs> we have Elise from Seattle. Yay! We have Leia. Good old oh, Le- good old Le- Leia from Phil- Philly. Alderaan. We have Brad from Florida. We have Lindsay from Bellevue. Oh, nice. Representing. We got Bill from God knows where. We have Teresa from Connecticut. Stephen from New South Wales, Australia. And wow. my sister from Duluth. who was Your an sister up- became a patron? She became a patron all the way back oh in June of 2017. So thank you, Ardo, Hillary, Sergey, Shanti, Christina, Elise, Leah, Brad, Lindsay, Bill, Teresa, Stephen, and my sister Colleen for becoming That's a incredible. patron all the way back in June of 2017. Come and, on, Colleen. And sticking with us this whole time. Uh, I probably told this story before, but you know the song Call Me by Blondie. Uh-huh. Call me. On my, the line when you call me. Call me anytime. My little brother, for the long, because it was a really- Colleen. Thought it was Colleen, yeah. <laughs> Like, my little brother's yeah. like, why? <clears throat> He's probably three years or four. He's yeah. like, why is this song about you, Colleen? We're like, huh? He was like, well, they're saying Colleen. We just thought it was the funniest thing. So we did an episode on spending. Yes, you remember talking did. about? And some people had some questions. We have Allison who says, uh, this is on the Facebook fan page. Has anyone else changed their spending habits since COVID started? 
I'm in Canada, so we've been in lockdown for over a year. I find I've been shopping online and buying fast food a lot more than before. It's gotten so bad I buy myself coffee almost every day, even though I wish I was saving for a trip or something. I feel like I need to buy myself these things to feel a little bit of happiness just to get through the day. I like ordering clothes online because getting packages in the mail is something to look forward to. Maybe it's because I don't see my friends and have social connection I feel in my life. Berto, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when it first happened, when the lockdown started, I went on a bit of a shopping spree. Now, I've talked before about like spending compulsions. I, I was being mindful of that, but I, I was still aware, and it was like... What'd you buy? Uh, well, I... I think I mentioned one of the things I did is I was like, all right, if I'm going to be here, I need a really good setup for podcasting, for making videos and for work. And so I, you know, I upgraded my computer All right, yeah, uh, we with, both with did you. It. I bought a camera. I bought lights. I bought a, a podcasting microphone because I was using my Corby, you know, recording my and I, I was like i'm not going to use this on a daily basis for hours on end like that's not smart why so, why is it not smart because i'm like uh, like that's my special mic if it, if it, if something happens to it like that's a lot of money you know i'm i'm just going to use it for recording songs otherwise i got to buy a podcasting mic so i bought a one of those sure podcasting yeah. mics. well so it's funny you bought a crap you know for you it was a way step down to buy yeah. a sure for me that sure is as much as the most expensive mic that I own. Right. And it's a really great mic. Yeah. And I bought that and I and my big purchase was my compressor. You know, I was like, I didn't have a compressor. And remember, we talked about this yeah. and you're like... Oh, I, I didn't know you bought... I thought that compressor was had been around for a long time. No, my preamp had. But uh, that, that compressor, the original I bought, I sold it to a person on eBay. Uh. And I didn't have it for all these years. And I didn't actually have a compressor. And so when you were like, ah, you need to compress your... Your audio, I'm like, fine, I'm doing it. And I had put the money aside, so I was like, all right. $5,000. So I bought my compressor. <laughs> but, um, so I went on that. And then I also, yeah, I, I remember buying the groceries, of course, but I also treated myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to order a little caviar from Whole Foods. So I ordered like a little caviar. And I What about like little things, little shopping sprees? Like Yeah, like after, I bought my comic book. Remember I told you my, my yeah. number one issues? I right. bought a few of those right. on eBay. Yeah, I could, yeah, Allison, I can completely relate yeah. to you. I uh, totally during, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, out of boredom, out of just wanting contact <laughs> with the world, maybe it was metaphorically bringing the world into my house making jeff even richer <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah my, my amazon purchases and ebay purchases just skyrocketed there was a time when no joke we were getting a package every day yeah same uh, for <laughs> for maybe nine months and uh not only for because i was buying all this equipment for yeah. my setup as well my podcasting video setup but also uh, uh, I was spending so much time in my office mm -mm. that I just wanted it to feel special yeah. or like magical in a certain way. So yeah. I started buying all of these things from my childhood and and things that represented yeah. who I am and buying more Legos and stuff. Yeah. And because you just have all this time in your hands, you, you, <laughs> just, you have time to think like, wouldn't it be great if I bought that old Beverly Cleary book that... I read as a kid and <laughs> flipped through it and looked at it. 
And, <laughs> you know, because before, you know, I had my office, yeah. but it wasn't decked out. It it had usable things yeah. in it, but now... It had a few yeah. memorabilia, but mostly it was, it was functional. You look behind me right now, it there's hundreds of things behind me. I, I just bought, you know, I just showed you that Frank from It's yes. Always Sunny. I, I was, you know, the other day, we're still in pandemic, I'm looking at my... At, your stuff. At, at my stuff, and I'm like, you know what? I don't have anything on this. You have Game of Thrones. You have a uh, little bit of. Uh, I have Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Battlestar Wars, Galactica. I have Star, Stranger Things, Star Blazers, Happy Days, uh, Bionic Woman, yeah, and music that you love. Yeah, but I didn't have any. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, yeah. and so I bought a little trinket for that. Yeah, but yeah, completely can relate to you, Allison, and and can relate also to the feeling of joy when something would arrive i bought um a teeny little booklet that came in toys so i didn't buy the toy but it was an 80s toy that was these little you might remember them they were these little robots with suction cups at the bottom and they had like different kinds and stuff but the booklet it came with had a little story and I, I found it on eBay and I just bought the booklet for like 15 bucks or something. <laughs> That's funny. And it gave me so much joy because I got it and I'm like, oh my God. I remember this. I remember this. Yeah, yeah. What about, so two things. That at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was talking about, okay, what am I going to do? I'm, yeah. I'm going to read those books I always wanted to read. I'm going to get that project done. So there's that question. The other question is, did you find yourself, as Allison was saying, eating more fast food? Oh, I, I went the other direction. And it's because I had had that health scare. Right. So I actually became like... Uh, uber healthy. Even more of an uber healthy eater. Now, I, I say even more. So the thing that happened to me, six years ago, I went in for blood tests and they were bad. So I, I kind of flipped a bit. I did all this diet research for months and... Became an amateur dietologist. And I really changed my diet. I went on an exercise program. And nine months later, I had reversed all these bad numbers. But then over the years, what started happening is like, look, you can be a vegan if all you eat is sugar and oil. You, that's technically a vegan. But of course, that'll kill you. So what, what, what started happening is I still had really bad patterns, even though I was eating technically healthy foods. One of my horrible patterns is on the way home from work, I would stop at a bar, yeah, get yeah, two drinks that. and appetizers. Which then bar? Go home which bar and, would you go to? I, um, in my head, I, in my head, because you've told the story before. I always yeah. imagine it's by the Olive Garden in Totem Lake. No, it's actually in downtown Kirkland by the water. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are some nice bars. Nice down there. places. Yeah. And so it wasn't like cheap, crappy food. Yeah. But like you know. like Hector's is down there. Yeah, I would go to the the slip uh, the slip. Okay. And I would go to. Bovina. Okay. Love those places. But anyways, then I'd come home and, and eat dinner. <laughs> so I was pounding. I was gaining pounds. I was getting unhealthy and stuff. But when the pandemic started, no, I started ordering really good food, uh, cooking my own stuff and like really being like, you know, careful with it. And so I kind of went the opposite route. What about the... Uh, I'm going to get something done during the pandemic. Oh, definitely. I Like I said, I rearranged, reorganized my whole... So my when the pandemic started, my room that I used for my videos and the podcast when we were doing it remotely 
was a mess. There was stuff in there. I, can't, I couldn't actually use it. Oh, really? Because I had put stuff in there. Oh. So I went through a full reorg, full rewiring, got all the stuff, cleaned it up, decorated it, all these things. Also, um, it sounds trivial, but you know that it's not. Closet, my closet, I went through a full gutting, like just threw away so much stuff and just reorganized everything. Um, and yeah, I was super productive in those first few months of the pandemic. I made videos. I was at work. I was so productive staying at home. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, then later in the year, it started getting harder, both because, you know, the pandemic wears on you. And then I got really sick. So I yeah, I had a, a, a similar thing, but, you know, cleaning and getting some projects done. But the... YouTube channel became basically a whole other full-time job. Right, right, right. And so I, if it's one project that I guess, you know, if someone in five years are like, what did you get done during the pandemic? And I'd be like, well, I... A YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, I, I created a, a YouTube channel and um, posted two or three videos a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, L. Donnell followed up on Facebook fan page and says, I t- replying to Allison... I've gone overboard on the online spending. I think it's been a way to feel like I'm taking part in things still or assert identity through my style and consumer choices. I've had to really think about why I'm making some purchases because I'm trying to be a more considerate consumer. Did you ever do that like as a, as a way of trying to assert your identity? Because, you know, when, when we're out mm-hmm. in the world, we're able to assert our identity more Easily, I suppose. Probably, I, 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 I wasn't aware of it, but probably because some of the things, like the yeah, the comic books, yeah, and- that's right. You know, I, I heard the statistic that if you combine, I think it's the pr- prior two or three years, I think it's three years of Amazon revenue, <laughs> the twenty twenty equaled those years. I believe it. Yeah, because I was buying. The littlest of things. I, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I need that multivitamin. Right, right. Be like, well, buy it on Amazon. You Normally, you'd buy it in the store. Yeah, no, same, same. Constant. Constant. Right. Gripes of Wrath, Birdo. <gasps> Ooh. Gripes of Wrath. It's been a bit. I got two that are related. People who pronounce Nevada wrong <laughs> drives me bonkers. Do I pronounce it wrong? Let's see. You mean like Nevada? That's wrong. That's wrong. Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, I pronounce it wrong. Nevada. So, Nevada. You get an excuse because you speak Spanish. Yeah. And no, but it, why? Because the, the the vowel would be ah, Nevada. Nevada. Oh, it would? Nevada. The, the correct, by the way, maybe you should be ashamed too because the correct pronunciation would be Nevada. 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 Yeah. So, it's a part of old Mexico. Yeah. So, obviously. But somehow I still say Nevada. Why do you say Nevada? Because I assume incorrectly that words up here are meant to be pronounced with English pronunciation. Um, so, like I'll see... Canada is not Canada. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> so why is it Nevada? Nevada. 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 Well, because I never heard someone say Nevada. I always heard people say Canada. <laughs> so... Well, it's Nevada. It's always been Nevada. Nevada. People in Nevada, co- Nevada pronounce it Nevada. Nevada. But it's not Nevada. It's Nevada. Right. So, again, if you're <laughs> Spanish-speaking 
you get a pass. But when we have white Americans saying Nevada, including like, Donald Trump, by the way, calls it Nevada. How do you say Albuquerque? Albuquerque. See, it's Albuquerque. Right. <laughs> but the, uh, by the way, Donald Trump 2016 pronounced it Nevada. And then people in Nevada said, Donald Trump, you're pronouncing it wrong. And then he said, no, you're pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> of course he did. How do you say Los Angeles? La, Los Angeles. Should be Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Um, San Diego. Not San Diego. But in, in that, <laughs> but I guess. But I, I say Nevada. Right. So so <laughs> I, I get it. If Again, if you're going to go full Spanish on me. <laughs> right. Then never go full Spanish. Well, well, I say Las Vegas. Instead of Las Vegas, I say Las Vegas. What What are you saying? Las Vegas. Las Vegas? As Let's opposed go to Las Vegas. Las Vegas? Yeah. As Instead opposed to what? La, Las Vegas. Las, yeah, it's Las, Las, like yeah, Las, Las. Las Vegas. Anyway, again, if you're going to go full Spanish, then, <laughs> go you, full Spanish. then you get a then you get a, a, a pass. But again, there's a lot of non-Spanish speaking white Americans who are calling it Nevada. And my... Uh, my speculation is that the the vowel a ah, like Nevada sounds low class to people, and so yeah, people Nevada. like people like Donald Trump. Nevada. It sounds better. It sounds more pleasing to their ear because it sounds more like European. If you're like Nevada, yeah. If you had a a skincare line, you wouldn't call it Nevada. You'd call it Nevada, right? <laughs> If you had a line of <laughs> yoga pants, you would call them, you know, Nevada. You would call them Nevada. But it's y- Nevada. Yoga, it's yoga pants. So, so <laughs> people pronounce, you know, when people say Pike's Market, for example, instead of Pike Place Market, that is grating on my ears. But I don't judge the people saying it because sure. they don't know any better. Someone says Spokane, Washington, for example. <laughs> Spokane. Or Puyallup. Sure. Like they I get it, know. they, they don't, don't know. know. It's a weird word. They don't know how to pronounce it. They're giving it their best shot. But when people say Nevada, Nevada, I think they are trying to sound more sophisticated than like they have an That's insecurity <laughs> that they're trying to. Like when I was a kid, I learned French, and French sound fancy to me. And I learned that you could say garbage, <laughs> and so I started calling it garbage because I wanted to sound more. I don't know, smart or something. So I always say garage uh, for a garage. Why? Because there's a Elton John song where he says, the garage by the motorway. And so he says kind of like garage. And so it sounds like garage. And so I always start saying garage. Me and Mitch say garage. The other uh, state that bugs me is Oregon. Oregon. I say Oregon. Yeah, that's right. Oregon. Okay. Oregon. It's Oregon. But people say Oregon. Yeah, they go Oregon, Oregon, Portland, Ooh, Oregon. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, like what? What are you doing? Yeah, and I would venture to say half of Americans, particularly on the East Coast, pronounce it Nevada and Oregon, and it drives yeah. me nuts. Now, okay, on some level, I'm like, well, no one pronounces like Worcestershire right, or you know, there's. Certain- I told you this story when I I lived in Worcester when I was little. And you did? Oh, yeah. When I was uh, two, I, I was in Massachusetts, lived in Worcester. And, you know, when I asked my daddy, like, where do we live, daddy? He would tell me with his thick Colombian, you know, accent, he would say, Worcester, right? And I was like, 
oh, wait, I live in Eastern. Okay. So I grew up. And I would tell people, like, where did you... I, I used to live in Eastern. And, you know, people that knew were like, Eastern? I, I don't... And not only that, I years later went on a trip to the East Coast. I was going to New Hampshire. And I wanted to find where I lived on the map. And I'm looking for Eastern. 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 No Eastern. And I'm like, did I go crazy? And I asked my dad, Dad, where did we live? He's like, Eastern. There is no Eastern. It's like, there is an Eastern. And randomly, I, I forget who, someone said to me, I wonder if you mean Ooster. And I'm like, well, yeah, Ooster. No, no, it's Ooster. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, but I can't find it on the map. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like spelled like Worcester. And I'm like, what? Who? Why? How? So you want to hear a Grapes of Wrath? Gripes of Wrath is... Freaking, why would you call something Ooster when it's spelled Worcester sauce? Like, that makes no sense. Yeah. You shouldn't do it. Yeah. It's bad, bad policy. Yeah. Anonymous patron wrote, wrote, in, wrote in and she says, are most men socialized to be somewhat sexist even in 2021? I'm dating now and my instinct is to immediately end things if a guy says any joke or comment that puts women down. Should I be challenging and educating them instead of just leaving them? Are most men socialized to be somewhat sexist, even in 2021, and does it excuse it? Berto, what do you think? On the first part, yeah, of course we're socialized to be sexist. Um, I mean, I say of course. I, To me, at this point in my life, I think it's obvious. It wouldn't have been obvious for me the whole the whole time. Uh, I On the second part, I don't think you... I, I hate this all-or-nothing, zero-tolerance policy we've got going on both sides. Like, And what I mean by both sides is... Look, I do think that there are lines in the sand where when you cross them as a society, we have to be done with you. Even if we still have empathy, we have to be done with you. Cancel. Cancel as in you're going to jail for life because you murdered someone, you know, oh. that kind of thing. Or, or you know, you abused a whole bunch of people. You are going to jail for a long time and we are going to be done with you. We are going to have empathy as a society that everyone's a human being and blah, blah, blah. But we're going to put you away. Okay. At the same time, I think... What about Woody a, Allen? Is Woody Allen in that camp? Um, that's unclear because we don't have proof, you know? There's no proof. Um, you know how I feel. I think he did it. I, I'm done with him personally, but I, you know, he's it, not been... There's no... There, like, with other people, there's proof, there's court cases, there's things. Okay. Well, there's proof because the victim said it happened. And there's that's no, why I believe it. There's no videotape. Well, but there's no court adjudication either, so... Uh. But but my point is is this like I actually think we are too quick to close the door on people. So for example, um, you know, a guy at work, uh, a woman walks by and the guy like says something about how they're dressed, like complimentary, like wow, you you look really nice today. Okay, in today's workplace, that's not acceptable. It and was never why. acceptable. No 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 no. It, let's come on, that's a joke. People thought it was acceptable, for sure. Well, okay. It was never okay. Yeah, but we didn't know. No one knew. Right. And so, in today's workplace, I don't think everyone knows, but most people should know, and they should have gone to the classes that tell them that it's not okay. But here's the thing. If someone does that, I don't think the right thing is to be like, you're fired. I think the right thing is to educate that person. 
And that's that's how I feel about these borderline cases. So in the case, I don't know what kind of jokes we're talking about, but if you have a boyfriend and they say something that's a little offensive, Date, or, she's saying I'm dating. Yeah, you're dating, and then they say something that's that's sexist. In my opinion, don't be a one strike you're out kind of person. Now I wasn't there. I don't know what the joke was. I don't know how egregious it was, but I would mostly say like, why don't you try to see if if they react well to an education. If they don't, well, then maybe that's your answer. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, are most men socialized to be somewhat sexist? Yes. Not most. All. every Not every men. Everybody of every gender is socialized in our society to be sexist. It's, it's when you live in a sexist society, it just happens. And then your other question of, you know, should I be leaving them or should I be challenging them or should I do nothing? It's up to you. And if you want to leave them, then go for it. You're, it's your life. It's your dating preference. And if you want to weed people out because of red flags of sexism, I think that's perfectly valid. If you want to do as Berto is saying and educate them and use that as a litmus test, that's also your call. But I think your question, anonymous patron, is as I'm starting, you know, you're, you're like, well, I'm starting to date and I'm bumping into a fair amount of sexism. If I become hard, sort of, lined around this, I don't think I'm going to be able to date anyone because everyone I'm coming into contact with has this problem. And I'll say that's possible. And what do we do about that? I don't know. That's a tough one. Do you remember the book slash movie Disclosure, Michael Crichton? The movie had Michael Douglas in it and um, Demi Moore. I vaguely remember the premise. It was set in Seattle. It was like a sex harassment at work. Yeah. yeah. But it was Demi Moore doing the harassment. harassment. Right. So uh, by today's standards, it's easy to look at that movie as like, oh, sure, you're going to have a movie about sexual harassment, but of course it's the woman doing it. But I rewatched it two nights ago and, and I'm like, and I read the book at the time and I was like, you know what? This was a very ahead of its time movie because it actually treated... Even Michael Douglas, they showed him sexually harassing his secretary in a small way, but he would pat her butt with his um, papers as she walked by. Jeez. And that was brought up because she was brought in to testify. And she's like, yeah, he does inappropriate things. And she actually didn't mean to testify against him, but she was saying, and there was this beautiful moment in the movie where he actually apologizes to her. Now, the follow-up to that scene sends the wrong message because then as he's walking away she pats his butt in the back with with her papers oh my god and it was meant to be like hey i get it we can all do it no 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 but that's the wrong idea right uh. but, and then there were but the, but it was a product of its, of its time but the flip side is that it made this point that that uh the abuse is about power and i thought it was really interesting the book was actually pretty good it was one of his better books um so i i i thought of that because that's a movie that if you made the same exact movie today, it would not do well. It would I don't even know if it did well at the time, but it would fall really flat. But at the time no, it I was, think it did really well because yeah. we were on the coattails of the uh Judge Thomas, Clarence. Right, Clarence. Uh, by the way, one of the people in that movie is Dennis uh no uh oh he's a comedian who turned really right winger. Yeah, Dennis um Leary? No. No, the other Dennis. Yeah. From from uh, SNL. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy. SNL Dennis. Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller. Thank you. So I used to really like that guy in the way that I used to like Tom Likas. 
because he was kind of a no-nonsense guy and stuff. But in that movie, he is playing that, that role of like the, the bro saying like, come on, now you can't even do this. Now you can't even do that. And he's like... Maybe that know, role got a little too... Up, you got into his head too much. I think so, yeah. I almost felt like he was playing that perspective himself, you know? Right. <laughs> up it's your patron, Gwen, from Indiana, says, I am a senior software developer at a female tech content and a female tech content creator, and I would like to know your thoughts on how to deal with all the negative comments online. My career is going very well, and I am often complimented about my work. I enjoy live streaming my programming and making videos about... So basically, it sounds like she does live streams on YouTube about developing software. Yeah. Uh, But when I live stream content and post YouTube videos, I am getting more and more hateful comments, people going out of their way to be mean about me being a girl who shouldn't be in software dev, or that I am so stupid or other things much worse than that. I've posted some really popular videos on other YouTube channels as well as my own, and it makes me feel so good until I read the negative comments and I feel like I should just quit everything. I don't know why it's difficult to just ignore the negative comments. Even if I delete the comments, they are still stuck in my mind and it erodes my confidence and my self-worth. Is there a good system that you use to overcome the negativity you receive? Berto, what do you think? First of all, I'm so sorry to hear that. (laughs) Like that sucks to be a minority in a field and then do great in that field and then instead of like just you know receiving praise for the great work you do or just neutral just like no if you do great work you deserve praise yeah but at the very least (laughs) how about you're just like well not for me oh fine 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 but i'm saying instead of that like you get crap yeah okay so look i am someone who is a little maybe outside the the norm. So I don't know if you can take this and run with it, but here is what what I've done. Because when I see, I trust me, I've seen some really negative things about me in the past in the comments. Um, I always actually feel a little sorry for the person posting. Hmm. And maybe that's me being condescending. Maybe that's my narcissism or whatever. But I oftentimes feel sorry because I am like, well... Your your life is so small in this sense. Like this is what you're doing. You're you're sitting here railing against me, calling me this, that, and this is what you're doing. And I feel bad about that, you know? And that actually makes me feel not as bad about me. You know, I'm like, well, I feel more bad about you than I feel about what you just said about me. Where it doesn't work so well is when I used to when I first started playing out, playing music, I was really insecure and I would go after the show. And I would do this thing where I, wa- I wanted to ask how it went, but I didn't want to hear it or, or ask. So I'd be like, first I would just stand by someone. I'm like, whew, that was quite a show. Just like standing there. And I'm waiting for them to say something. And I don't want them to say anything. And then inevitably, Sometimes that person would have been me. Yeah, and inevitably there'd be this awkwardness like, um, hey, well, interesting show. Or someone might say great show if they said great show i'd be like oh no no it was terrible i oh man i sucked you know which i learned later is suck that sucks to do that yeah you don't want to do that to people yeah you, you invalidate their comment you make them feel like shit so i i learned not to do that and it's been a process for me nowadays when i get a compliment at work or whatever 
I actually wait a moment. I take a pause and then I say, thank you. That means a lot. You know, I, I actually like I've worked hard on that. You know, yeah, because it does mean a lot. In. But at the time, I'd be like, no. If they gave me a compliment, I'm like, no, I sucked. But if, on the other hand, they said nothing or they were like, oh, you know, whatever, then I would get really quiet. I'm like, oh, okay. And then walk away and be super hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes me think about when I, back in the day, would record albums of my own music. Yeah. I Maybe once a year, maybe twice a year or uh, every other year, I would record a full, like, 15 20 song album yeah of just where i was at musically at that time and i would send it out to all of my people yeah at, at beginning it was cassettes and then later on it was cds you know because this is before the internet so right. you can't just like post, post it on it, site. No. so i would uh and then i would have to burn all the cds which that costs a lot of money back in the day i would get Art, right. and I would, and you get excited, yeah, because it's your CD, man. And, and I would make a list of like a hundred people, like every relative, all <laughs> right. my friends, all you know, just every, I would I had this list of a hundred people ish that I would send it to, and I would have to get their address, and I would right. have to get the packaging and pay for the postage. It was expensive, you know, it was a big deal, and I'd send it out to everyone, and uh, <laughs> and. You know, one or two people would get back to me like, hey, it's good. You know, I, I listened to that song. That was pretty cool. I listened to that song. That was pretty interesting. And, you know, and I was just elated, you know, that, that right. someone would listen and would have like something interesting to say. Now, were they probably like, oh, I got to listen to this thing and say something. Yeah, say something. <laughs> I guess so. But but that happens to me, too. Yeah. You know, course. like when people uh, do that for me. I always go out of my way to compliment people yeah. or like at the you, very least just to say like I listened to it thank you for yeah. sharing you know like you didn't have to listen to a cover of uh, get your motor running you know <laughs> but you did and you yeah. complimented me <laughs> but it was it was good Berto uh, is in a is in a old guy band a cover band and they did a song for the season but anyway I would also get some people that would say nothing and yeah. that always hurt me because I'm right. thinking, this is probably the meaning of my life. And if you gave me something, I would care. Yeah. <laughs> right. That yeah. I spent the entire year, because back then, right, there's no oh, internet. Yeah. So so your audience is literally just people who are around <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, of course. So, so if you make something like an art piece. You're giving them a horcrux. <laughs> that's a piece of you. And... Uh, that people would just not say anything or they'd come to a show. Yeah. And after the show, uh, you know, I'd, we'd run into each other and they'd just be like, hey, yeah. So, um, and they just start talking about themselves. Exactly. And I'm like, and you're like uh, I just played. Yeah. So, again, I don't need you to pump my ego, but. Can you just acknowledge it? But just acknowledge that I'm doing this for hey, good you. Job. Good job, man. I'm not just, I think that non performers, maybe. Right. They think. That I'm up on stage or I am making this CD for myself, yeah. and you're just this innocent bystander who is being subjected to it. Right, right, right. No, I am specifically giving this you. to you yeah, and saying, please acknowledge that I have given it to yeah, you. Yeah, this is my bit. You don't my... have to like it, <laughs> but just acknowledge that this was for you. Yeah. Like, there were... 95 people on my list and I was thinking about you when yeah. I was actually recording this. I wasn't 
You know, and so everyone else gives what? Like, I bought this pencil at the store for you. I bought this like cup holder. You made music, yeah, art. Like, and it comes from my yeah. from my heart. And so, yeah, I, I, most and most people wouldn't. Most people yeah. they wouldn't acknowledge it, or they would be like, "Oh yeah, I listen to it anyway." Moving on with life, right, as if right, it right. just had no bearing. And again, I always knew. Well, look. Not everyone's going to be into my music. Not everyone even likes my style of music. Right. And that's fine. But at least, like, say, well, because, again, it wasn't something I was doing on the side. This was the central reason why I felt like I was on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this was all of me. The, my job partially was just so I could fund this other thing. Yep. And anyway, so. Oh, one last thing I'll say is I, I have also found – um. In times where I was severely criticized, for example, at work, and where internally I actually knew that they were wrong, in a, at a fundamental high level, they were wrong. But I did a thing. I did a deal with myself to still try to benefit from the situation. Yeah. And I saw. And I actually saw. I tried to look at it from their perspective, and I was like, "Well, I I don't like this. I I kind of hate this person right now." And I actually disagree with their assessment, but I'm going to put myself in their shoes for a second and be like, what, what are they seeing? What is this? And actually it did help me because I, there were things about me that again, I, I still think, let me put it this way. The person in this case was very senior in this, in this team. And I knew enough to know that at their level and at their seniority level, what they needed to do is coach me a little bit and help me improve instead of berate me and and basically be completely toxic, right? Yeah. But I still was like, what's the grain of truth that I could benefit? Because I actually want to benefit from this. Because I don't want to give them the satisfaction of being put down. I want to be benefited. Well, what if it's the, the, these comments on YouTube, which is like unrelenting. Right. Well, so I've done that. I actually, like, for example, in one of my videos, um, one, of the, one of the people, this was a video I did a reaction to the space launch, one uh, one of those videos. And you know, I'm not a NASA person. I, you're sure I love science and stuff, but I I wasn't trying to do a scientific commentary. You know, I was just kind of reacting to it. Most people got that. One person kind of went off on me, like, "You didn't do any research. You don't understand this. You made a comment about why the why there's so much blue in the in the computer screen." And of course, I was like making funny comments like, what's the deal with all the blue? I wasn't like, but they were like taking it seriously. Like, if you knew anything, you would know blah. I'm like, oh God. But, and so I was annoyed and I was like, this is frustrating because I'm not making this for you. But that, I did put myself in their shoes for a second. I was like, oh, okay. See, I know I didn't explicitly make this for you, but you are a YouTube user. You come across content and you're seeing someone reacting to something you care about. And so, you wanted content of the kind you care about. Now, I don't do that content. And now you've learned, hopefully you don't come back to my shop. But one thing I took away is like, I got to remember that I, I actually have to be transparent with what I am and what I'm not. And that helps viewers decide so that they don't waste their time with me. Mm. And then it helps me find my niche. If I try to be too paper thin or like spread myself too thin to be like I'm everything to everyone it's not going to work and I'm going to send the wrong message so even that comment I was like hmm okay I, I need to take this a little bit but it's easy to only take the negative and then self-doubt and be like maybe they're right maybe I shouldn't do this or maybe whatever 
And that is, it's too easy to do that. What I have tried to do is be like, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. I'm going to benefit from this exchange. What can I learn? What can I do? Yeah, that's great. I, I think you have to have a tremendous amount of differentiation and self-worth to be able to do that because if you didn't, it would be hard to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as with Berto saying, uh, Gwen, I'm so sorry you're going through this. On behalf of men, <laughs> I apologize to you. How do you overcome it? Here are my three or four tips. One is, is or options. One is, is don't read them. Uh, I personally will take breaks from the comments every now and then because it gets into your head. Yeah. Even if it's absurd or... <laughs> Or they're even just sort of mildly critical. You know, they might be just mildly critical on something. It gets into my head. The The analogy that I give to people is that when you're in it, you're giving a presentation to 30 people. Yeah. And uh, imagine if five people in the back, the entire time as you're talking is grimacing and standing up and talk and they're and they're talking loudly like what is this person talking about <laughs> and you could conceptualize those five people and say well i'm not for them yeah. or they're kind of weird they're still disrupting you <laughs> but they're getting into your skull yeah. and all the people in the front who are digging what you're saying right. they're just quietly paying attention yeah they're not they're not in a constant thing of like oh my god you're so great yeah. they're just quietly enjoying you <laughs> but you have these five people in the back you you would not there is not a single presenter on the planet that would be able to withstand that no. kind of you can't do that and that's what being on the internet is like you have this <laughs> audience the audience is the comment section yeah. and even if it's 2% of the people talking it's a lot of people and it gets into your head yeah and even in intellectually you're like this is only 2% our brain is designed to pay attention yeah, to that because we're, we're very interested in yeah. not being rejected. So we don't listen to the acceptance. We listen to the lack of acceptance. And so p- one of the options is just don't read them. A-, a lot of famous people don't read comments. Yeah. Conan O'Brien, for example, like he he talks about mm-hmm. on his podcast, he doesn't read anything. You know, okay, so... I, I, and, I have, and he's one of, one of those beloved people beloved on the planet. People. I have two thoughts on that one because... On the one hand, I've heard this about some artists that are always, have always been uncompromising. I think it takes a special kind of vision, and maybe you get a little lucky from the start that your vision just happens to be that good. Uh, but I think even them, even Conan, they must have had a way to refine their craft it with some sort of feedback yeah, loop, yeah. It, right? It, right. So like either, either they tape themselves or they ask their trusted advisors right. so, or something. So I'll just take me, for yeah. example. There are times when I don't read any comments, but I'm my own, I'm, I'm my best critic. <laughs> so I will watch one of my videos and I'll be like, that was really dumb. Or I'm saying the word literally too much. Or yeah. that thing with my head is stupid. I need to stop doing that. Or Stacy, my wife, will tell me, you need to not do that anymore. Um, so there's a lot you can get from just yourself because you're pretty, you know, I don't know about you, Berto, but I'm pretty critical of myself when I watch myself. So I am critical. And I used to, when I first started playing out, I would always tape my performances and I would always watch them. Yeah. And I definitely was critical. 
but years later I found out that my criticisms, you can only be as critical as you have the wisdom to be. So my criticisms were all around certain areas like, uh, you're standing kind of funny or uh, you're looking down a lot. Ooh, your voice cracked there. You know, these kinds of things. But there was an area of criticism that I, I was blind to. And it was the, why at the time, this was with, um, not with you, it was way before you. It was with my first incarnation of missionary. It's like, we play out. And at first I was like, okay, this is working well. We're getting a little bit of audience participation. Great. But some songs, I would notice people like tune out. And my conclusion was like, ah, they're just not into music as much as I am. Right. Well, right? well so, so along those lines, they... So the the analogy is you're watching the audience yeah. and the engagement on their face. Right. The eye contact or whatever, the body language. That and so that's one form of contact. Right. Uh, attention, the uh, you know garnering eyes and yeah. and attention. The other is verbal feedback from the crowd where they critique right. what you've said right. or done. The same goes on YouTube. Yeah. There's the verbal critique in the comments. But then there's the, the actual likes and the number of views, the number and, of views, yeah. and the likes. Right, yeah. that I look at yeah. because it's hard not yeah. to see that. Yeah, and that's a fair point because, I, but 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 I was blind that you know when I go back and I listen to the kind of songs I was playing back then, I realize oh, it would be hard for a lot of people to relate to some of these songs because although they have catchy moments melodically, I'm saying things that I'm even having a hard time parsing even though I wrote them. So it took me years to realize, oh no, I don't write relatable or whatever. And I and it was a journey for me and stuff like that. Some people come out the gate saying, I want to do it this way, like a prince or something. And I'm uncompromising, but the way I do it is genius and everyone will know it's genius. Right. <laughs> I'm not like that. Right, right, right. I need refinement. Right. For, <laughs> for Conan, um, he talks about this in his podcast a lot that he will take feedback and people will give him yeah. feedback, but he just won't read comments yeah. or reviews. And that's fair. It's a different thing. Yeah. And to be clear to all the listeners out there, I do read the comments uh, uh, often. Yeah. And Stacy, the pod wife, will forward, you know, I don't have time, honestly, to read all the comments sometimes, but the pod wife will go through the comments and like send stuff to me or Bob or Birdo. Dude, the episodes we do, honestly, and I just skim through it, but like there's so many positive comments. Yeah. That. Even though I come across mildly like, because the benefit is that you have a worse problem, I think, because you have a broader YouTube audience and your videos probably land on the laps of a lot of people that are not, you know, it's just a broader audience, right? right? The, the, the people that listen usually to our podcasts, they tend to be a little bit more, more of them, more invested in the thing. Right. So... I get more benefit from looking at that because I'm like, I see all these comments. I'm like, oh, thank you for being so up, open about this. And, and honestly, even when they're like, oh, I can't, Berto was so sexist or so whatever, right? I like take something from it, you know, because it's like, I don't know. But but to be fair. I think you're different than me, man. I Yeah, I, I am a bit. I, I get, if I get a negative thing, uh, it like really affects you. Yeah, like if yeah. it's one out of a hundred, there'll yeah. be a hundred glowing things, and then one 
one negative thing and it, I'll, I won't be able to sleep at night. I mean, it's, I'm exaggerating, yeah, no, but, but it, it's, it, it it'll, you, it'll yeah. rattle around in my head for a few days. Damn. Like when, when I'm brushing my teeth, that comment will go and I'll have this little argument in my head about what they said. I, I wonder if it's because I am even more narcissistic than you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is that part of me that has always had this internal defense mechanism, which is, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. But I'll show them. Yeah, okay. I'll show them. And I'm still, I'll show them. I don't know when I'll show them. Maybe when I'm 90, I'll show them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've tried to resort to that, but it doesn't work. You know, there, there's a podcast I listen to TBTL and one of the things that the one of the guys he, Luke he'll say when he gets a negative key uh, he hasn't said this in a while but he'll say yeah how's your podcast going <laughs> because you know their sure. podcast is really popular sure. they make their living from it and okay you can criticize this thing but how's yours doing how, how's yours going yeah. how, how is your <laughs> content provision going yeah. uh you can criticize me all you want, but look where I am and look where you are. Right, right, right. And Luke would do that sort of thing. And, and I don't know, it just, that just doesn't work for me. For me, it was a kind of thing where, you know, I think part of it was, so I'm sitting there in, a, in that, I've told you, a private school where most of these kids are very privileged and they, have, they come from money, all these things. And so I always kind of had this thing of like, yeah, I know, I know, but I'll show you one day. Hmm. You know, and it morphed over time because at the time it was literally, I'll show you. Like, do you one feel day, like you have shown them? I, it it changed. I, I I realized at one point I'm like, oh, I see. I don't have to show them. You but know? is there a seven year old, ten year old inside oh, of you? I feel very accomplished. I feel like, look, I mean, the stuff I had to overcome and then still have a meaningful, successful life is a lot, and it, I'm proud of it. If you hadn't had achieved, and you were working you know, at a different, a less prestigious minimum wage job or something, would that still be jabbing you in the side? I don't know. Because I, even when I've been down, like when I was so inundated by debt because of my decisions, I still was like, I'll show me, <laughs> I'll show me. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe things would be different. I know there's a lot of luck involved in life, but I don't know. I just always had that little chip on my shoulder. Like, yeah, I know. I hear you. And and actually, the person that I heard was me. Because just like you said, you're a harsh critic. I'm a harsh critic. And I'd be and not always about everything that maybe other people were criticizing me. But I, that was part of it. You know what would happen is, I remember, I went into music class in Columbia. And they were auditioning people to sing in some like show or something. Some performance. And I went in and sang. And the, the teachers like... Oh no, that does, like he said something really mean like that didn't work. And I remember one of the kids, one of the boys in the class, like, "Oh my god, your voice is terrible." Like they said that, but in the moment, what's going through my head is a I I'm uh, I feel off today, so of course you're gonna say that. B, the two girls in my class that love to hear me sing and always request songs don't agree with you, and I was like, you know, like just kind of running in my mind the inventory of counter arguments, right? And then the second thing is I've always felt like I never put in the work. So I always had this excuse, and maybe that's weak, but I always had this excuse like, yeah, but I've not, I've also not applied myself. You know, like this. This is me with my hands 10%. tied behind Yeah, my, no, but yeah. seriously. So like, for example, it would be like, um, I I didn't 
uh, I didn't get first place in the in that one competition. I'm like, I know, but I stopped studying a week ago. You know, like that kind of thing. Now, it was a defense mechanism to like justify, but it always kind of carried me through the moments. So I was like, yeah, I know, but I could have done better if I had worked harder. And that I think is important. It's like, it's on me, not on them. I could do better if I work harder. Interesting. Yeah. So other things you can do to, oh, uh, back on the not reading comments uh, topic is there was a time for a few months, a few months ago where, and we even talked about this, Berto, off air, where, at least for me, and I thought for you a little bit too, you and I were reading a lot more comments back then and were, I thought, becoming really shy on on microphone where our flow, our vibe, our, you know, being in the zone yeah. uh, was, our our mojo was waning because of what I thought to be too many comments being read. So you, I know we had that conversation. You brought that up. I'm not going to deny that maybe that was a factor. The thing that's confusing for me is during that same time frame is when I had been really struggling with my health. Right. And so I can't tell, like I know one of the days we recorded, I brought everything I could to that recording, but I was feeling like shit, right. you know? Yeah. So I don't know. So, okay. So, so that, yeah. so maybe a hundred percent that was you. And honestly, At least part of it. <laughs> and honestly, for me, my health hasn't been right. very good in, over the past year. It seems to be getting better, but uh, oh, and by by the way, maybe the fact that I was and you were struggling with health, the comments hurt more. Yeah, maybe. So that's part of it. You know? But yeah, but for me, it was at least fifty percent comments rattling around in my head, and I was a a worse podcaster because yeah. of it. And, and I could I could that, feel yeah. it. Yeah, I could feel myself. Second guessing everything I was about to say. Well, after we had that conversation, I basically I be, I went down by at least sixty percent on my comment reading. Okay. Like after we had that conversation, because what I've done recently is whenever we post one of our podcasts together, I'll go open it up to listen to how it sounded. I always like listening to the intros, and. I will look at the likes, you know. Just, <laughs> what do you mean you like listening to the intros? I just like the intros. I don't know why. Wait, you, know? you or me, you? Oh, I just like our banter at the beginning. Oh, okay. Actually, you know? Anyways, uh, and then sometimes sometimes I actually want to rehear a portion because I'm like, yeah, what did we talk about? Yeah. But, but then what I'll do is I'll quickly scan through comments. And I am, the selfishly, what I'm trying to look for is... Uh, do people like me? Do people like me? But in a... And I'm trying to be honest about this in a way that I'm trying to make sure that I am bringing the right balance to the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to make sure that it's not because, you know, it is true. When we first started this thing, I was completely unguarded, uh, freewheeling. I would say whatever. You, well, not when we first started, well, but, but when, when we got into the swing of things. But yeah. then you actually would have to try to draw some boundaries and you say, you know what? Let's not do this, or let's stop that topic, or let's move this way. Well, and because I would literally edit out whole, edit out. whole sections. Because left to my own devices, it was like, you know, wild horses. Now, over the years, I myself started self-moderating. Yeah. And I learned, and so you probably started to not have to moderate me as much, and that yeah, was good. true. Yeah. So my main goal and, now... And, and asterisks on that, Berto, which 
I've noticed, and we never had a formal conversation about that yeah. in our 13 years, and that's what makes you such a good podcaster as oh, a guest. Nice. I have had, we've talked about this before, but I've had a, I've had a lot of people on yeah, this yeah. podcast and other co-hosts for that matter, and no one even compares to Does you. Thing compares <laughs> to you. Speaking of Prince, that who it knows what I want without me having to say. Like I, right. I can, I can lob the ball over the plate, and you will hit it every time. I can lick. It. Oh wait, hit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I'm trying to look for is: Am I? Are they finding me useful? Because if I can be useful, then mm. I'm useful. Interesting. And that's always stemmed from me being honest about me. And that's where... Well, what do you mean by useful? Like, what what would a comment indicate uh, to you? Ooh, like, this person thinks... I really appreciate that you opened up about blah. So, like, the spending one. Uh-huh. Literally, like, oh, my gosh. I'm so glad uh, Baird opened up about this. I totally have this problem. That's what I live for. What would be another useful acknowledgement? Um, for example... Oh, in fact, uh, I forget which episode it was, but um, it was really refreshing to hear Berto being honest about his massage or, you know, his um, like bad ideas about women and other things when he was younger and how he's evolved and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And uh, something along those lines. That's what I that's what I do this for, because I've always kind of felt like um I want to make mistakes so you don't have to. That's the thing. I said that on my videos too. I'm like, I, that's what I'm hoping I can tell you. Here's the thing I did. Yeah. Or here's the thing I'm doing now. Let's see if we can avoid this together. So in contrast to what you're saying before that you would say, I'm going to show you what you're saying now is kind of in, in opposition to that. That's true. It's like, no, and that, that's absolutely true. Because now, it, you know, when I was in my 20s, if we had started this podcast, I would have just been a jokester. But I wouldn't have opened up the same way because I would have been embarrassed about so many topics. As I grew a little older, I started realizing, oh, the things I thought were embarrassing or problematic are the things that make me me. And someone might want to learn about that, right? And so now I actually enjoy uh, telling you all these embarrassing stories because I'm like, yeah, that's me, and hopefully someone can learn from that. You yeah, know? I mean, it does. It adds yeah. a lot. Yeah. Adds so you're right. It's, it's the opposite of, I'll show you. It's like, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the other tactic you can use for managing comments is to conceptualize the people. Berto was kind of mentioning this. One thing to remember, um, Gwen from Indiana, upper tier patron Gwen, is that the uh, the percentage of psychopaths and sadists on the internet are oh, a lot higher right. than you will experience in the everyday world. <laughs> S- uh, research shows psychopaths and sadists are much more likely to comment online mm. in a negative way because there's no social consequence for them right. getting their rocks off by hurting other people. They're not going to get a slap in the face because it's, it's anonymous on the internet. And so one conceptualization is particularly if someone is really going after you and trying to hurt your feelings on obvious, you know, it's obviously that they're trying to do that is to be like, that could literally be a psychopath and I don't have to regard what they're saying. No. In fact, it's kind of dangerous. <laughs> yeah. The, the other is that hurt people hurt people. Right. Mm, yeah. So when someone's really blasting you now, it's one thing criticism, like I don't like yeah. this or you could have done that differently. Um, like sometimes when we do email episodes, like today, kind yeah. of. There's always someone in the comments section that's like, could you please give timestamps 
because oh, right, because right, right. they want to be able to skip to things. And I'll tell you, everyone out there, there are so many tedious tasks involved with posting an episode. One one prepping for an episode, planning an episode, recording an episode, posting it. That I can. That is the straw on the camel's back. I cannot. I don't want to. It some w- some uh, I've seen some commenters do it for right. you. Yeah. Which which if if you do uh, upvote those people, so highly appreciate it. Gets, yeah. Uh, for a while, I was hoping that someone would just take it on themselves that they would do it every time because it yeah. wouldn't be that hard for yeah. someone to put a comment. But anyway, so uh, hurt people hurt people. And w- you can look at some comments as when they're hurting you of just saying, well, obviously that person must be hurting quite a bit. Yeah. The Which other, is, is, Sorry, that's similar to when I was saying that I feel some sadness for the right. person, you know. The other is that there's a lot of brainwashed misogynists out there, particularly in the tech world. Mm, yeah, they're they're a victim of the misogyny rhetoric and are parroting ideas that they were not born with. Right. So you can look at them and say, like, well, obviously you live in an echo chamber, and it's not your fault. And I do that all the time. People will say things to me ideologically that I'll say, whoa. You are clearly – the way the, – the metaphor I, or the visualization I have in my head is that almost like there's a membrane that is encapsulating like a, like a blob membrane that's encapsulating this echo chamber. And through the membrane, their head pops out hmm. and yells at me about something. And I'm looking at them and, and they're stuck in this globular membrane. There's all these other people in there. And they're in there going like the Earth is flat, and then and then they submerge back beyond the membrane. And I, I don't look at that and go, "Oh, you're a rational human being who has a balanced point of view of the world." You, you're sad. You're a pod person, yeah. and you're you emerged your head and shouted something at someone in the real world, and I feel bad for you. Yeah. You know, and that's what misogyny is. Yeah. You know, it's 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 sad. Someone comes, someone emerges from the misogyny echo chamber and yells at you. It's like, how sad for you in your echo chamber of sadness. One thing that could be very hard to do and may not be worth your time ultimately, but um, there could be people on the comments that are actually trying to give you constructive criticism. Totally, but they get drowned out by all these ridiculous people. For example. You know the Vlog Brothers. Uh, yeah, the, we I got this. a book right behind yeah, me. Yeah, John Green. Uh, so, um, his brother, Hank. John Hank. Yeah. Wait, Hank is the one that wrote. No, John. John is the one that. Okay, so Hank. Yeah. So they start all sorts of spinoff channels, as you know, and, yeah. and one of them that they started. This goes back maybe two years. They had this gal, and she did this video, and the video was I actually forget the topic, but. It was kind of a charged topic. It, it dealt a little bit with misogyny and stuff like this. But she did a really poor job. It was like her first video and her voice was grating. She was, everything ended in a question and everything was like this. And and, and, the, and you couldn't follow because her cadence was super frustrating. So it went terribly. The up down votes were like massive and everyone started jumping on the comments now unfortunately 80% of the comments were 
that's why you can't blah 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 woman you know like ridiculous misogyny and really hating her like and you know comments on her looks everything like it was terrible and I felt so bad because I'm like look this is not a good video and she needs to learn and so I made a comment and I I don't know if anyone ever read it but I was like look I'm so sorry you're going through this these people are ridiculous this is unacceptable so please understand this has nothing to do with who you are as a person or gender or anything but here's some what I observe about the video that could be improved. And I just left some <laughs> some notes. And it was just it was short. It was like, you know, do this, modulate this. Now, because I felt like, man, you, the video is actually not good. But if the, you, you could accidentally take away that people are just misogynist right. and then you won't improve. And that sucks. Because then you'll they'll be winning for the wrong fucking reason. Right. Yeah. And side note. A lot of women content providers will be criticized because they have women voices, by the way. Like there'll be – because the, the content world, podcasting included, YouTube included, was 99% white guys. Yeah. And women would come along over the past 10 years and would start to add their voice, yeah. literal and figuratively, and would get this backlash because people are like, I don't like her voice, the way she talks and it – and – it, there's a there's a sexist element to it. There, this was if you had heard it because she by the way she's improved night and day. Like if you listen to one of her videos now, yeah, she's a professional. Yeah, I, I'm not saying yeah, your yeah. observation was yeah. wrong. I'm just saying that. But you're I just general, need to add. Yeah, I just right. need to add no. that element. No, and actually, you're absolutely right because there are videos. There are there are um, a couple of uh, uh, podcasters, whatever, that do math videos, and they're women, and they're amazing videos. Yeah, uh, they speak very well eloquently they actually have a really nice podcasting voice or whatever and they make great content for math guess what still a ton of hate right you know now they get a lot of positive comments way more positive comments but you'll scroll through and be like i don't like her voice oh uh, it, it's even broader than that it's like uh oh she sounds ditzy you know like stuff like that God. and it's like she's talking about some like serious math topics yeah and she just sounds like a woman yeah. With a nice voice, by the way. Yeah. She can't be smart because she's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that that's real. <laughs> right. We did a whole episode on Elizabeth Holmes and how she lowered her voice. Yeah, that's right. To get be, yeah. to to counter yeah. that problem. The third tip I have for you, Gwen, is to vent to supportive people. Do not he- read one of those terrible comments and just sit on it. Talk to others. It ninety five percent of the energy can be dissipated for me when I. It's usually with the pod wife. Will you know? Will laugh about it, some terrible, hateful comment. You've seen those videos where celebrities read yeah. tweets about them. So you and I did that once. We yeah. read all the negatives, the negative reviews on iTunes. I think. Yeah, and. Uh, we did that for some other thing too, but yeah, it, there's a certain that liberation a about ago. that, and you learn. You know, like I know all the I know all the criticisms people have, you know, of me because I've read it so many times. Sure. And sometimes it's good just to read it out loud and say, like, "Yep," yeah, you know. And you said something great earlier that I want to highlight, which is the the negative comments for me. I would imagine at least 50%, if not more, of the pain that I get from them is because I probably feel like I'm being caught 
in a lie <laughs> instead of just saying, well, that's not who I am. You know, right. like what you were saying earlier. So, so, so someone comments and says, you got that detail wrong. You're an idiot. Read a book. <laughs> well, well, to be specific, sometimes you and I will do psychology of someone like Amy yeah. Whitehouse or something. And, you know, I do a fair amount of research. I, I don't just wing it. Yeah. I, I, I give it. But, but I'm not a scholar on right. St- Steve Jobs, for example. I'm not a scholar on, you know, Charlie Manson. I, I, I feel like I have a good grasp on the details. And I'll even say at the beginning, um, some of the details might be wrong, but the gist of it will, right. be, will be correct. And, you know, there'll be someone that'll say, oh, you got this detail wrong. You got so many things wrong. It's like you didn't even bother or something. And if, I, if I'm getting upset, it's usually because I feel like I've been trying to act like I am a scholar or I do know everything. <laughs> sure. Or I did do a lot of prep when I didn't do a lot of prep. Whereas if I just say, well, I, I'm just a podcaster putting out literally 15 episodes a week yeah. and I only have t- Trust so much. Trust me, if I wanted to go deep, <laughs> yeah. I would. Well, but, <laughs> but it would have taken me so long because yeah. the person commenting probably yeah. has been studying it their whole life yeah. and knows every detail. And so for me, I'm like, well, yeah, you're criticizing me, criticizing me on something that, yeah, absolutely, I get it because that's not where I hold my pride. I don't take my pride yeah. in knowing every single detail about this famous person's life. That's yeah. not my thing. And it doesn't hurt as much. And I, I wonder if this doesn't happen for you because for me, the, the other thing is by this point in my life, I know things that I'm just fundamentally, for whatever reason, not proficient at. For example, handiwork, doing stuff manually with my hands. There is some part of my brain that doesn't connect. So, you know... You like can what, say, like fixing a toilet or something? Yeah. Oh, God, you just scared the hell out of me. <laughs> like, listen, you can be like, what are you going to do for fun tonight, Berto? And a, an honest idea of fun would be, I'm going to go home and write, like figure out how to make a maze in a program and then figure out how to solve the maze in a program. And I'm going to do that. And it's fun for me. But if you're like, hey, you're, you're, you're leaking, the sink is leaking, maybe you could get under there and say, ah, ah. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm same about cooking. Like, I uh, have every once in a while, I'll venture into cooking, and I will <laughs> screw it up so badly, and it'll right. it'll taste so badly. I remember that I always think about this one moment. It was like 15 years ago. This <laughs> friend of mine came over to my house and cooked this amazing meal, and I watched everything what they were doing step by step. And I remember consciously thinking, "Wow, that doesn't look that hard." <laughs> And so the next few days, I tried it myself, and it was Terrible. a disaster. There was an eggplant thing that was just... Comp- so imagine someone on the comments says, Kirk, you, you're not a good cook. Yeah, right. Would that bother you? No. No. So if I was reading comments, and it says, I bet this guy can't even hang a fixture from a number two plaster pencil, which I don't, I don't know what that means. I'd be like, no, you're right. I don't even know what to say about a comment that you might write. <laughs> Number two, plaster pencil. <laughs> so the thing is, th- of course that wouldn't bother me. Yeah. Now, if someone says, oh, this guy got the math wrong or whatever, the thing I know is I'm like, uh, listen, I'm actually, the few areas in my life that I've been awesome at, one of them was math. So if I wanted to spend the time, I'd be pretty good at this. Yeah. But that but, requires a level know, of self-confidence. That, but only in the narrow fields that yeah. you feel confident. But I, I still, I don't have, 
I don't think a lot of people have that. Like, if I put out a video of me singing and someone was like, you could use better vibrato. Have you thought of taking voice lessons, right? I would but be that's like, not what they would say. Right. But that's not what they would say. <laughs> what they would say is, your song sucks. That's true. You and shouldn't then, have posted And this. then I would disagree and I'd say like, well, you suck. <laughs> yeah. But that's because I think you have higher <laughs> yeah, self-esteem. So. Yeah. Uh, the, other, the last thing I'll say about comments is I do not recommend engaging. I know it's tempting and I used to engage at times, but that I can totally nine, agree with. 99 times out of 100, if not 100 times out of 100, yeah. it never goes well. 100% agree. I've wasted that... I will 100% agree. I've wasted hours of my life, days of my life, going back and forth with people on Facebook and on YouTube. I don't do that now. Well, I haven't done it in a while. Really? Yeah. Cold turkey. Well, you know what? I don't know if it'll stick, but this whole pandemic thing, it got so bad. And the whole previous administration, it got so bad that I finally, I cut people out and I stopped it. How do you feel? Oh, it was a it was a big weight off my shoulders, man. Yeah. I now, unfortunately, in person, I had a four hour conversation with a relative <laughs> about politics. When? Um, this was a month ago, yeah. and it was painful. Yeah, it's painful because in the end, we I feel like we ended up in a non terrible place, but only in the sense that the one thing I was trying to get across was. I'm a person that you know, and yet I believe things that you think are only believed by monsters. Right. So maybe not everyone that believes these things believes it because they're monsters. Yeah. I think I might have made the slightest little chip in the, you know, but I don't know. <laughs> right. Because it is hard. Uh, cognitive dissonance when you're like, wait a minute, how can you believe that? And it goes both ways, right? Because I'm like, I know you. How can you say that? <laughs> right. Uh, and it, but it is true. Like you, you cannot conclude that everyone who holds n set of beliefs is a monster, because you know people that you know are not monsters, and yet they'll say some of those beliefs. Yeah. Frankly, you've been guilty of that yourself sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because that's been one of our ongoing tiffs, tiffs on the yes. podcast. Is I'm trying to convince you to take it easy on. The yeah. people who believe in those things, yeah. they're, they're humans too. And I think, I think uh, in general, you're, and I've said this before, I'm like, you're probably right. There is a line somewhere. That's where I don't know where that line is. Well, it depends on what line you're talking about. If you're talking about the line between right and wrong, yeah. But if you're talking about the line between, I don't know. No, I, I mean the line. Willing to a dialogue. Well, I, I mean the line between, at, at some point, a person, I have to conclude, is bad. <laughs> and then I have to say, okay, that doing person bad, is bad. Doing bad things. Yeah, sure. Believing in a bad, sure, sure. Uh, you know, sure. having bad ideas. No, 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 because I, I will stop short. I'm like, no, there are good people that believe in bad ideas. Yeah. At some point, after most a people who believe, Most people who believe in bad ideas are good people. Yeah. The, the, the Nazis. But there's a threshold beyond which I'm like, no, you are bad. You know, like in- You're bad for society. <laughs> yeah, in Germany during World War II, yeah. they had a lot of bad ideas. Yeah. Was the entire population of Germany bad people? <laughs> or was it a lot of bad ideas that got very, well, very so you're strong right. power? You're right, but 
but to be fair, the only way that that got stopped was through a wicked war. Yeah. So sometimes you have to draw lines. Right. So how do you effectively end the bad? Right? In those cases... We can't invade Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We can't, can't, uh, you know, put... Uh, what's another state? I don't know. We can't take a group of people in the United States and and uh, try them for war crimes. You know, but we, do, we have to convince them. I think that when it's it an informed bad actor manipulating people, I, I then f- stop saying, well, that's just a good person with bad ideas. I start saying, no, that's a bad person for society. I don't know. I, I don't really even go there in my head because I don't know where people come from. But what I do know is that if we're going to convince people, we have to have a good relationship with them. I, I think, I mean, you won't disagree probably that at some point there are certain types of individuals that you need to separate them from society because they're harming society. Yeah. Right. I feel the same way about certain people in, in positions of power that they are so damaging yeah. that I, I say, no, It'd you're actually nice. not good to society. <laughs> It'd be nice. And those people are reflecting the constituency. Yeah, yeah. So if but we ha- there are more good people in the constituency. Fine. But if we're going to change, we have to change the constituency. But because without, the, uh, without determining that they're all bad. We have to, regardless of good or bad, we have to convince them of different ideas. Yes. And if we're going to do that, we have to have a good relationship with them. And if we're going to have a good relationship with them, we have to like them. Yeah, and I think that's where there there is a line that you don't cross and I wait, there's a line that I don't cross that you cross sooner. <laughs> I like those people. And I like the idea of liking some of those people. <laughs> uh yeah. So in conclusion, up to your Gwen up to your patron Gwen from Indiana. I'm so sorry you're going through that. Um you know, maybe go to the fan page and get a bunch of other Psychology in Seattle people to comment on your YouTube stuff and defend you. I mean, that's that's one of the nice things about, you know, behind the curtain a little bit. And I think, Berto, you can relate to this. That in the beginning, so over, so I've been on YouTube, we've been on YouTube for 13 years, 12 years or so. And in the beginning, when we were getting like 200, 300 views yeah. <laughs> on YouTube, the fan base was small and the amount of people that would show up to watch it that weren't into us were pretty high. And so people would click on an episode of ours and most of the comments would either be neutral or negative. Because they're strangers. Yeah, they don't know us, whatever. <laughs> and it was hard, you know. And, and the so I remember the YouTube comments for years. I mean, just imagine that. I mean, people out there. Berto can imagine it because he was with me day episode after episode <laughs> week after week year after year just and that's back when i wasn't reading those comments right so you were telling me all about it just yeah. trudging forward yeah year after year desperately trying to create content that people will like trying to be useful right trying to provide value to other people's lives going to the comments section because 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 in itunes you can't comment on a single episode no so people are listening on iTunes or their podcatchers, and there's no comments there back no. then. So the only place I was getting any real feedback was on YouTube. Right. Because back then, people didn't email in very often. And so I'd go to YouTube, and it would just be 
neutral or negative, and it was it was rough. Once we got a YouTube, and rough meaning that I would at times question whether or not I should even be doing this thing. Right. I thought, why am I even like what you know Gwen is saying? Is like, why am I even doing this? So. Like you're standing in front of a crowd of 30 people and there's five people yelling at you and everyone else is quiet. You're like, well, does everyone hate me? Yeah. Should I even be here? Why am I even here? Right. So then we get a fan base on YouTube. Right. That likes us and are familiar with us, like our tone, maybe gives us the benefit of the doubt if we make a mistake here and there. Yeah. The way you would with someone you're familiar with. <laughs> And when someone negatively comments, they get blasted a little bit. They do. They get. They get. <laughs> so this happened to me on Discord. Uh, you know, Nink. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, I met her actually on on Zoom because okay. she's she's one of the moderators on uh, the Discord. So channel. a while back on I think Bardo MA or one of these things, she had posted, uh, I something like I find Berto kind of creepy. Okay. <laughs> And I, of course, being me, I, I... What do you think she meant by that exactly? Well, we've talked about it since. Oh, oh, oh. And I think, um, <laughs> I think she, she was sensing... How do you feel about that? Well, I'll tell you how I felt in both internally and externally. <laughs> externally, I did what I would do, which is I wrote in, I was like, you're not wrong, you know, or something like this. I was like, oh, absolutely. I'm definitely creepy. Um, internally, I was a little hurt because I was like, well... Yeah, because you're not... You don't know me. You're not trying to be creepy. No. And, and creepy is a pretty hard... Pretty and actually, creepy triggers me a little bit because uh, in 2005, I was interested in this one girl and I at a club. And I, I'm, I, I was being awkward. I was texting her while we were in the same general room. And she found that to be super creepy. And she told her friends that I was being creepy. And later, because we were mutual friends, so her friends told me later, like, she thought you were being super creepy. And I was like, why? Because you were texting her. Like, I wasn't texting her dick pics. What are you talking? Like, I know, but you were in the same room. I'm like, well, but we were like, not, I, so I was like, okay, whatever. So I, that creepy word triggers me a little yeah. bit. Okay. But the thing was. Yeah. I, I mean, just to analyze, because I think the word creepy is, I think it needs to be analyzed a little bit. Because in that instance, you met someone that you had reason to believe liked you romantically. Yep. Right? At least was interested in some level of interaction with you. Right. And so you're in the same room, but you don't want to go over to her and monopolize her time. So you text her. Now, she can not text you back if she doesn't want to. And and, and I'm a, at the time, I'm a total noob at the whole texting thing anyway. So okay. I think this is a thing that you could do. This is a little fun little, yeah. fun little missive yeah. I'm sending. And... Uh, and so for her, she obviously wasn't into you <laughs> and, and she's like, I don't want to get text message from this guy. Right. So that's creepy. So that's <laughs> creepy. What if she liked you? That wouldn't have been creepy. Right. So I feel like people yeah. need to refine the word creepy and say, in that context yeah. and say what he was doing was uninvited. Yeah. I think that's a better word. I, yeah. I did not want him to text me. Yeah. I, I, I wanted him to stop, and I didn't want him to be hitting on me. Now, you know? There is a possibility, because one of the things that happened is I first met her at a different club early in the night. And now it could just be me, but we were having what I thought was a really good back and forth, yeah. laughing and stuff. And then I said goodbye 
for the night. And I didn't ask her number. I was just like, this was a good exchange. Goodbye. We had one of those awkward run-ins later at a different club. And I was like, oh, you're here. And then the magic was gone. But I was in my head like, oh, I should rekindle the magic. But I might have been a little awkward as a result. I don't know, right? I'm, and I'm guessing that by the time I sent her that text, I had screwed it up, right? But in either case, so she says that. But, but you got to figure if she was into you, into you. Well, no, of course she was. No, that's obvious. But I'm saying if there was any shot early in the night, I screwed it up before the text. Okay. And there might have never been a shot. Right. But but I think that by the time I texted her, we were no longer simpatico, and I didn't realize it. Right. Okay. Which is fine. Which is and, fine. And she could just be like, yeah, I could see why he thinks that I'm into him, because right. we had a we had a connection earlier, but I'm not into right. him. And, and to be clear, it wasn't a text like, I'm looking at you, yeah. or something weird, you know? <laughs> right. It's like, it was like... It was sincere, like uh, something about music, or it was something like yeah. You, what, the way that you flirt is extremely non-sexual. Yeah, exactly. Like you flirt in a a sort of interesting conversational yes, way. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So Nink says that, and I go in. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely am. Okay. But then people jump in in the thread in the Discord chat, and they're like. Why would you say that? And then other people are like, oh, I don't find him creepy at all. I find other... And it was like so many defenses. I was like, oh, that's nice. Now, later, she told me that... And this is interesting. She might Wait, have... she told you this in private or she told yeah, you... Yeah, later in a, in a DM on Discord, she said this. Wait, I don't know if you should say if she... You shouldn't say unless she... she... Uh, fair. Okay, fair enough. It was something, something pu- about me. Something public on. Yeah, I mean, make, we'll make your own judgment. But if it's if it was public comments, I okay. I'm gonna make a judgment that I think she'd be okay with me revealing this because it's about me. Okay. C- can you ask her after we record? I will definitely ask her. Yeah. Okay. I'll ask her. Uh, what she said was that she sent. She got a sense from me, um, like um, that abuser uh, vibe. Uh huh. And I told her, well, that's not, that's not unfounded because I was abused and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I think that for whatever reason, she picked up something from some episode, who knows, whatever, and it gave her a little bit of that vibe. And then she's like, I find him creepy. But then, since then, she said, no, I totally changed my mind. Like, you're not creepy at all, blah, 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 blah. But the cool thing is that people defended me. Right. You know? So rewind the clock just even a year or two ago. Yeah. Someone would have said, I think Birdo's creepy. And no one would have come to your defense. Yeah. And it would just be out there. And you'd just be like, okay, I guess I'm creepy to everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, that's that's my thing. So now we have people. Now, everyone out there, please, please do not attack people who are criticizing us. No. You can. It's wonderful if you can provide context for people or just offer your opinion in a nice way. Yeah. You know, yeah, I... You know, interesting. I, I don't see Burrow that way, you know, that kind of comment. But please don't, because I see it sometimes in the comments. People, in a very loving way to us, will almost gang up on someone. And, and I don't want our audience to, two wrongs don't make a right. No, not at all. Yeah. Well, that is it for that episode. Let us know what you think in the comments. <laughs> we may or may not read them. And remember that Birdo wants to be useful. Useful. He likes being complimented, even though he kind of acts like he doesn't. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So, 
we have to read the comments of this episode. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't that was a really awkward ending. <laughs> <laughs> and that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it.